0: Happy Father's Day, friends. Glad you are here today. Welcome to all of you that are joining us online. I know we have a ton of our crew tracking along with us at home, but today is really a good day. It's a fun day. It's not only Father's Day. Um, but we're also going to be jumping into uh, a new series for the next, um, uh, about eight weeks or so, and it's, you thought we would have planned it this way, but we didn't, we're not that smart, but we we are going to be jumping into uh, the book of 2 Timothy for the next eight weeks. And so uh, I want to make sure that you guys are starting to turn there in your Bibles and stuff, and so I want to give you a little bit of context of where we're going to be headed um, just for the next eight weeks. And so I want to give you just a little bit of a background so that you're understand and so today is Father's Day and it is a day that we celebrate you dads in the community that you just pour yourself out tirelessly giving your lives away for your kids, and so, just like it's just like what we see in Second Timothy, we see a fathering spirit come out in Paul as he pours his life out for young Timothy. And so, kind of the twenty thousand foot view of where our where we're going to jump into the scripture this morning is um, Paul, who has written about half of the New Testament, is late in his career, late in his um, age, and he's writing to a young man, young man named Timothy. Paul, a former Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees, which were these small religious sects, and Paul was a member of this group, and they were deeply religious, which became a problem for Paul. Paul, as it said in the scriptures, if anyone thinks they were good at obedience or obeying the law, I was even better. So you might be able to say that Paul was excellent at religion, but which made him a really bad person. Because that's what religion does to us. It brings out the worst in us. It brings out judgmentalism, insecurity, striving, always feeling like we have to measure up. And the answer for that is always the gospel. Because the gospel is not about you measuring up and having to achieve. It's about you receiving this new life that Jesus Christ has to offer. And so Paul found that. He had this dramatic encounter where he met the Lord. And now the trajectory of his life has fundamentally changed. And so at this time, Paul is writing from Timothy in a jail cell where there is no other at this time higher spiritual authority on planet Earth earth other than Paul. When he speaks, the world literally listens. And there's a shift that's happened in Paul just in the last few years. There's this shift where Paul goes from planting church after church after church to making disciples and multiplying disciples. And so you see Paul do something really remarkable here. He starts to sound and act more and more like his rabbi, Jesus. Jesus. And just like Jesus calls the JVB team or the JVC team to come and follow him, that's what Paul does. Paul starts calling people to come and follow uh, Paul as he follows Christ. And it's where we meet young Timothy in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And Timothy, you guys, you have to understand that Timothy was an outsider, a not good enough A could not hack it. Never gonna measure up. There's a word in the scripture that um, identifies who Timothy is. And that word is mumser. And a mumser would have been somebody that was born uh, illegitimate. That would not have been recognized as a legitimate birth. Would have been kept out of community. Would not have been welcome to participate uh, kind of in the body of of Christ. The word mumser can also kind of carry with it this idea of uh, uh, incest. And a child born of incest. And so however you define that word regarding young Timothy, there's one thing that is not a mistake. He is not welcomed. He is on the outside. He is not good enough. He is one of those type of kids. And what you're going to see in 2 Timothy is this thread that goes all throughout 2 Timothy that we're going to flush up. Because here's the truth, friends. Please hear this part. All over the, the United States, all over the country. This morning, you are going to hear sermons from people that are really good teachers that say that have sermon series that are titled, like, Your Best Life Now, or How to Unlock Your Full Potential So That You Can Thrive. And here is the problem with that line of thinking. If all you ever do is focus on yourself, all you're going to end up with is yourself. It's going to be horrible. And so what you're going to see in this 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 thin line that spread all throughout Second Timothy is this common theme, that if you want to experience the good life that Jesus offers, the life abundantly, the life that he promises you, then you glorify God by giving yourself fully to him and pouring yourself out for somebody not named you for somebody not named you. That you have an other's first mentality with your life. And so you're going to see this play out in the relationship with Paul and young Timothy as Paul who's grown up without a father figure in the home for one reason or another. And you see this spiritual father of Paul show up on the scene. And speak life and hope and identity into this young man. Because what you're going to see is that faith doesn't just happen to you. It always wants to happen through you. And so friends, if you want to turn with me or follow along with us up on the screens, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 1.1. It's where we're going to start this morning. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God in keeping with the promises of life that is in Christ Jesus. Now, So here's what you have to understand. Paul and Timothy are good friends. They go way back. They have been doing ministry together for a really long time. So why in the world would Paul write Timothy kind of with this really formal introduction? Doesn't he know him? Well, friends, this is awkward. He knows him really well. I mean really well. In Acts 16, before Paul Takes Timothy to do ministry with him, he, Paul, circumcised Timothy. So does he know him? Oh yeah, he knows him, and he knows him in a really well way. So listen, I know our staff, and I know our staff really well, but I don't know them the way that Paul knew that his partner's in ministry. And so what you see here is Paul really knows Timothy. So why is he introducing himself this way? You have to understand that I think Paul is writing to young Timothy to say this. Listen, This ain't no Monday morning email. This is a word from God himself specifically for you, young Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Jesus picked me to display the word of God through me. And young Timothy, I pick you. So you better pay attention to what is going on. So this is not just some random email. This is, bro, we got some business to talk about because the Lord is after you young Timothy. Verse 2. To Timothy, my dear son. Now, it's, this is really interesting. It says, to Timothy, my dear son. Like, have you noticed like this real intimate language that we often see throughout the scriptures where it says like my son or my child or my daughter? Um, we don't really have this language in our culture in the United States a whole lot. Um, The closest thing that I've really gone to experience it, when I was in Honduras this last year, we were partnering with a mission agency there, and we were touring some places, and we were going through a place called the Bordos, and it's where we met, for all practical purposes, their youth pastor. And as we were walking down the street, all these kids came flocking out to us as we were walking down this little cobblestone street, and uh, their youth pastor said, oh, look, these are my children. And he starts introducing them as, this is my son. Oh, this is my daughter. Oh, you got to meet my daughter. Oh, this is my other son. And I'm like, man, hasn't the American church lost something in that? Do you see the relational connection that they enjoy? We have reduced church to an event to attend rather than a family to belong to. And what you see in the writing with young Timothy and Paul is this really intimate relational connection that they enjoy. A spiritual father, really, somebody that's mentoring him, that's pouring his heart out into young, Tim, into young Timothy. And what you're going to see kind of throughout the book of 2 Timothy is discipleship is what the relationship they have is never mass produced. It's always handcrafted. And you see Paul just handcrafting and pouring in to young Timothy. Now, question for us to consider. This is not a condemning question, so please, friends, do not hear it this way. But who do you have that type of relationship with? Honestly. Like, do you have that type of relationship with somebody where you could say, man, I have somebody that really speaks life into me like Paul does to young Timothy. Somebody that I'm deeply relationally connected to. I might even call them like my spiritual father. Like when the world is falling apart like with young Timothy, I have somebody that will come into my life and speak that into my life. And on the flip side of that, who are you doing that for? Do you have somebody that you could say, this is my son in the faith. Somebody that I'm pouring myself out into that I'm helping mature that I'm bringing along that I'm growing up in the faith because hear me say this friends listen a lot of us are still online some of us are here this morning but if you do not have that you're doing it wrong (laughs) You're just doing it wrong. I don't know what to tell you, but you're doing it wrong. If you do not have those type of relationships where you are mentoring and pulling someone along and someone is looking into your life and speaking in the way that Paul did into young Timothy, that way you're doing it wrong. I'm afraid that we have reduced church to an event to attend rather than a family to belong to. And as a family to belong to, we, we pull for one another. We pull up and we push up other people around us. That's the intimate relationship that the two of uh, them enjoy. And so um, we have some pretty remarkable men in this community. I mean, remarkable men in this community that have been doing this for a lot of us for a lot of years. And this type of relationship doesn't happen overnight, but it should happen over time. For me, how it first started when i was doing student ministry here i was really poor and we my wife was still in school and i went to one of the guys in our community one of the men in our community and i said why don't you take me to lunch <laughs> and we just start and we just started this relationship together and it was not because i thought he was the most biblically scholarly person i've ever met it's because he had the type of marriage that i wanted to enjoy and he was raising kids in the manner that i would hope to raise my kids in one day, because that's what it means to be a part of, the, of, of a community that pours into one another, a community that disciples one another. It's not come and let me teach you all these things, but it's come and watch me as I follow Jesus. And that's the invitation for us this morning. Let's keep going look at what it says. It says this, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father of Jesus Christ. Grace means you get what you don't deserve. Mercy means you don't receive what you do deserve. And peace means that you're right with God. And you put all of those together. And what do you have? It's a picture of the gospel. It's the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what type of relationship does Paul have with young Timothy? It's a gospel-centered relationship. Look at what he says. Next verse. Um, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. And so Paul really says this to us this morning. He goes, listen, I'm not doing anything new. This is nothing new. It is just my turn to step forward and be intentional with passing down the faith to the next generation with a clear conscience. Now listen, you probably don't remember because it's been so long, but we, were, we spent all last year walking through the book of Romans and there's something interesting that has happened here. It says this, with a clear conscience. But do you remember what Paul, how Paul talked about himself in Romans chapter 7? I'm sure you don't because it was so long ago. But let me tell you what he what he says. He says this. I want to do good, but what I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I always do. What a wretched man am I. But what does he say here in 2 Timothy? With a clear conscience. So what's happened to Paul? It's this idea of progressive sanctification, which is a really fancy word for you and I should be falling more in love with Jesus every single day. That we should be being transformed into his image all of the time. That you and I should not be walking in the same old junk year after year after year that we begin to bear more and more the image of Jesus. Not that you are bad becoming gooder, but that you are dead and things are being resurrected back to life in your life. And so Paul says, with a clear conscience, he actually begins to, to believe the gospel that he's been preaching to himself for all these years. He's like, finally, I get it. And he says, with a clear conscience. It's this beautiful picture. And then he says, night and day, I remember you in my prayers. Okay, so let's pause. Who do you do that for? Really, who are you constantly remembering night and and day in your prayers. When, when you bump into a friend and they say, how are you? And you say, man, I'm really good. They can say, liar. I know you tell me what's really going on. Like, who do you have where you're vulnerable with? Who do you have in your life where you are really, um, They know all of your junk and it comes up and there's no embarrassment and you can talk about it and you know that that person is going to pray for you. Not just like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you, brother. But like, they're really going to go to the Lord on your behalf. And on the flip side of that, who do you do that for? Who do you carry a heavy heart for who do you on a daily basis get up and be like, man, I just want to bless the Kips. I love the Kips, Lord. Would your favor rest on their marriage and on their parenting and on their kids? Because let me be real truth, truthful. If you've been around here a long time or a couple of years and that's not normal, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. We have reduced church to an event to attend rather than a family to belong to. It's what God is up to. God is not up to seeing how many people we can stuff in this building, but he is interested in building his family, about adopting sons and daughters so that you and I get to have the most jacked up, dysfunctional family of all time because it's made up of people like me and you. And it's good, and it's sweet, and it's kind. And so he says, night and day, I constantly pray for you. Next verse. Um, Y'all, you know, Paul is really funny. He's really funny. And you don't pick up on that if you just read it sometimes. But look what it says. Recalling whose tears? your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with your joy. Paul is really funny. He doesn't say recalling our tears. He says, recalling your tears. You remember that time you cried, you big baby? Oh, I remember that time you cried. He's really funny. You see the human side of Paul really coming out, recalling your tears. He says, and we'll get to why Paul, uh, why Timothy was crying in just a second, but he says, recalling your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Now, listen. We have the majority of our community joining us online still. And so there is some of you that you're here for maybe the first time in a long time. And let me be honest. um, uh, If I have not seen you in a long time, you know what I probably don't say? I long to see you. My heart is filled with joy because I got to see you again. It's just weird, right? But here's the truth about that. I think that's weird because I don't understand what it means to be connected to the body. I don't understand what it means to be connected to the family. I don't understand what it means to have spiritual fathers, to have spiritual mothers, to have parents in the community that are helping raise me and grow me up. And I don't understand what it's like to have sons and daughters where I'm just pouring my life into them. I long to see you. Timothy longed for Paul. Paul longed for Timothy, it was normal because it is deeply relational, connected between them. If you hear one thing this morning, please don't miss this. If there's one thing that you get all morning long, this is the thing I want you to get. Next slide. Oh, next one. What if success isn't what we accomplish, but it's something that we actually leave behind? You see that with Paul and young Timothy. What if success was not what we accomplished, but the legacy that we leave behind? Can you imagine how that would change the trajectory of how we think about orientating ourselves in this world? That we don't strive for achievements, but we strive to leave a deposit in the generations to come. Back up one slide now. I'll show you what that looks like. Listen. Look at verse five. I'm reminded. Of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Luis, and and my mother, Eunice, which is another great name, and I'm persuaded that now lives in you, young Timothy. Now when you read this, you have to read it with a curiosity in your mind. Who is missing from the picture? Dad. You have mother and grandmother. Where's dad in the picture? Well, who who is young Timothy? He's a mumser, right? He grows up without a dad. He is an outsider. Something, if you were reading this in the first century, you would say, something has gone horribly wrong. There's no dad around. Where is his dad? But the scripture is full of these golden nuggets for us that bring so much hope and so much truth for us. Because you have a grandmother named Louis. Louis. And Lois, is that right? My dog's name is Louis. And so that's why I'm messing it up. And Eunice, you have these two women that fill in the gaps for young Timothy. Where the ideal, when you look at your family and maybe it's not ideal, maybe it's not what you would hope for, look at young Timothy. Young Timothy did not grow up in the ideal either. And yet he has this, this, these people in his life that are not living for achievements, but that are living for legacy, that are, want to be legacy makers. And you have these women in his lives that fill in the gap, and you have this spiritual father that comes along that pulls young Timothy in. And maybe success is not what we achieve, but it's the legacy of what we raise. It's the legacy of what we leave behind. Let's look at verse six. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is through the laying on of hands. Okay, so here comes the tears. So over in uh, Acts, we meet young Timothy and there's this moment where all of the elders gather around young Timothy and on the beach, uh, young Timothy and the elders and Paul all gather around and they lay their hands on on Timothy. And we're going to spend most of next week talking about this one idea about this thing. But Paul and the elders lay their hands on Timothy. And if you keep reading, we didn't include it in the scripture this morning, but they give young Timothy this blessing and it says this. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, Timothy, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. And so Paul and the elders bestow on him blessing and identity, and they remind him, you don't have to be timid because I've given you power and love and discipline. Why does he tell him to be courageous and to be strong? Because he's weak and afraid. Right? It's that... that, that Timothy has in him and Paul and the elders lay their hands on young Timothy. Now imagine what it would have been like to be a mumser, to be a kid that everybody whispered about, that was not allowed to participate, that there were lots of questions about you. And then there is this moment on the beach where everybody knows who Paul is. No higher spiritual authority on planet earth than Paul And you see him coming and he has the elders and he tells you, kneel down. And there's this moment where him and the elders pray God's anointing and blessing and favor over a son that's never had a spiritual father. Tell me what man in his right mind would ever have, would not be weeping like a little baby. Because that should stir something up in every single one of us. It was for me, two years ago, I had that moment when Riverside was in a, a transitional season when Scott, our senior pastor, left and there was this moment where the elders and the leadership of the community came and they said, kneel down. And they laid their hands on me and they spoke life into me and they blessed me and they commissioned me and they. And little did they know that for the two or three months before that <laughs> i'm locking myself in the bathroom between services and scared and afraid thinking i wonder if i can just sneak out to my car and not come back cuz i cannot do this this is not me i'm not equipped i don't have what it t- i just cannot do this and time and time again, these elders and the leadership and the staff here spoke life and encourage and blessing and hope and cheered me on. And it was this type of moment that just transforms this young Timothy to a scared outside kid to be called to be the pastor at probably the most jacked up church at Ephesus where there's rioting and turmoil and conflict, and they insert this scared young man to go be the leader of this church. Let me be real clear and vulnerable this morning. This is what my job is for this community. This is how I understand what it means to be a pastor here in this community, is my job is for us as a community to all have that type of moment, where you feel the community rallying behind you and placing their hands on you and speaking life and hope and identity into you, that you feel the joy of being commissioned, being called to be a minister of the gospel, not in maybe a formal way, but it starts with your family and then it overflows into your work and it just keeps building and building to wherever you find yourself, you're a minister of the gospel. That's what I understand how I'm called to be here, is to create these moments where you and I feel the blessing of heaven just being bestowed on us. This type of relationship that Paul and young Timothy enjoyed, and I think about today being Father's Day, and how this is the call of what it man what it means to be a man, that you and I as men get to do this with our own families, where we get to, as we see with Paul and young Timothy, where we get to mentor and to pull along and to give blessing and to lay hands on and encourage and push and so that they may feel the blessing of God. What a beautiful invitation for us as a community. If we are going to be the type of church that reaches generations after generations, it starts with you and I having this moment where we kneel and we feel the blessing of God himself placing his hands on us, speaking life and hope and joy into our lives. And that's a real thing for you and for me. If you have never experienced that before, I just want to encourage you, next week, we're going to do that kind of in a formal way. So if you have never experienced that before, next week is going to be a powerful week where we kind of symbolically want to have these type of moments with you and with our community next week. And so I want to encourage you to come back next week because I believe it's a blessing that every single one of us should experience. Let's pray together. So Father, we love you. God, we were the mumser. God, we were the outsider. We were the ones that that people whispered about. And you came and got us. God, you left the 99 to come after us. God, that you, God, have adopted us. You've called us sons and daughters. God, may we be the type of community, God, that glorifies you by pouring ourselves out for another. God, may we be the type of community that moves from this being an event to being a family reunion. God, we want to see people's lives transformed with the gospel. We want to see our lives transformed with the gospel. So God, would you place your hands on us again and speak into us, Father, the way that Paul and young Timothy did. We thank you for your story, how it is not something that has happened, but it's an invitation to happen today. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission to move and to flow in our lives, to do the work that only it can do, to soften, to mold in, to prepare for the voice of God to be heard in our lives so we welcome the work of God right now so on father's day god we tell you you're the greatest father of all time would you teach us to live as your children trusting that we have a good dad that has goodness for his children it's in Christ's name